So this morning we're going to continue in Ephesians 1, if you have your Bibles. Uh, we'll be starting in verse 15. Um, and we're going to be talking about the incredible depth of his love. Uh, but before we get there, um, I just want to tell you a little bit about um, Heather and I, um, something that we really enjoy um, that will um, help us as we process these scriptures, at least I think. Um, something that we really enjoy is dining experiences. We like food and we like the, um, the complexities and just the experience of, of dining and just trying different foods. And sometimes that means I'm cooking at home um, and it, it could be something weird like uh, sushi or kelp or something like that. Um, other times it's just normal stuff. Not normally, though. Um, but one thing, one time we had a really, but other time we just go to a restaurant, and one time we had a really neat dining experience, and we went, we showed up at this restaurant, and there are no windows in the restaurant, which is kind of sketch, but we read reviews, so everything's okay. And uh, we walked in, and there was lighting and stuff, it was nice, we sat down, we had, um, I, I, we had some steak or something like that, and, uh, and then afterwards they were like, would you like to go to the dessert room? And we were like, nah. Just kidding. And we were like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so we stand up, and they, I think it was upstairs. And uh, so they sat us down at this table, and they gave us the menu for all the desserts. And I, I ordered creme brulee, I'm pretty sure, because I really like that stuff. And Heather got some type of um, hot fudge chocolate sauce. And it came in this nice little bowl, and it had, a, had its own little ladle. And uh, so I'm, I'm eating my creme brulee, and she, she got ice cream with chocolate sauce. I'll, I'll pair it with that. But so... I'm, I'm enjoying myself, there's a piano player playing and eating my creme brulee, and I look back, and Heather has given up on the ice cream. I, I have permission to tell the story. And, and she's, she has given up on the ice cream, and she is using the ladle, and she's just eating the chocolate sauce. Like, it's, it is that good. And I tried it, it is, mad respect, um, it, it was excellent. So about a week and a half ago, I asked her, I was like, can you just explain for like a foodie what you experienced, like what, what was that hot fudge? And this is her quote. It's pretty good. Rich, smooth, velvety, chocolate flavors that blend together in perfect harmony. This saucy fudge needs no companion and is the star of the show. That fudge was legit. The, the amount of like complexity to it, there's multiple different chocolates. It was not just like a spoonful of sugar. It was, it was extremely complex and made you long for more. So today we're going to be talking about the love of God and how how entirely amazing and complex it is. Um, and we're going to be using food as an analogy. Um, so as your newest elder, before we get to that, um, I, did, I wrote something. Uh, it's just a paragraph, and I'd like to read it to you. Heather and I have been a part of this church for three years. We heard about your faith in Jesus and the desire to love our Lord well. And then when we started coming, we went through some really hard times, and you loved us well, and we saw you love others well. Thank you so much for that. I want you to know that I thank God for you as I remember you in my prayers. So we, we really do love this church. It's, it is amazing. And to be fair, I, I built that as an analogy, but it, it is so completely true. But the analogy is that's really close to what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. So if you turn to Ephesians 1, 15 and 16, this is what he says. This is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. And I expect hearing that from Paul would probably mean more than hearing it from me. Because Paul, I mean, he is, he's a pretty big guy in the faith. And this is, we, we know that he's talking to some Gentiles and they're trying to figure out how they're going to all work together in this church. This is the first time they've been grafted in. 
So we have this letter, and they get encouraged in their faith. I think that would mean so much. Um, and then after they got encouraged, he, he gives three huge areas of knowing God that he desires for them. But, but before he gives it, he gives a prerequisite. And the prerequisite for it is found in verse 17. It says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The knowledge of him. That is what Paul so desires for these new Gentile believers, that you would know him in a deep and meaningful and complex uh, a, an encounter with God that, that leaves a longing, like that hot fudge. But the, pre, the prerequisite is that it is not something that we can muster up. If you caught it, it says, I pray that the God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the Spirit. Now, we, we know that he's talking to believers. He's already confirmed that they are believers and they've been sealed with the Spirit. So the Spirit, though, should be capitalized. It is talking about the Holy Spirit, I believe. And what it's referring to is how the Holy Spirit works with us. And he gets to choose when and where he illuminates certain things about himself to believers. An analogy that helps me understand this is when I was in college, I was fairly prideful and arrogant, and I was irritated with this person. I think they were a friend or something. I don't really remember specifically the story, but I was just like, why? How can this person be acting in this way? I don't understand. They claim to be a believer. Like, what's this about? So I went to one of my professors that was, he was aggressive with me, which he needed to be. And he was like, who are you? Like, you don't get to decide how the Holy Spirit works in somebody's life or when they work. And his thought was, you know, we all have blind spots, and it is up to God when he works. And in this area right here, these three things that Paul is about to tell these believers, he's like, you, you can't muster this up. Like, this is something the Holy Spirit is going to do. However, there is one thing that we see that we can do, and it's what Paul did for the church, and he prayed for them. He prayed for them in these three things. Um, and I've been praying for you for them for this week. So back to the scripture. Um, we, have, we have these Gentiles. They, they just figured out that there's some knowledge of God, and just knowing him in real ways. And I would expect when they heard it, they were like, interesting. Like, I want to know this. Like, do I know this? Is there more that I can know? And Paul, he's very clear. He's like, yes. Like, there is a lot here. The knowing of God is so grandiose and complex and wonderful, and it's available. And Paul helps them later in Ephesians 3.16. He, uh, he explains it a little bit more. To be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. So the spirit is doing the strengthening. And then in Ephesians 3.19, I love this verse. It says, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And when they read that, they, like these are Gentiles that have never been apart. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But when they heard that, like, you would think that their mind would just be like, whoa. Like, how much is there? And I, I hope that our mind would get to there some uh, this morning. So, back to food just for a second, and then we'll get back into it. Did you know that there are four different taste sensations? We have sour, we have sweet, we have bitter, and we have salty. But some of you are like, oh, no, no, there's one more. It's spicy. But I googled it, and spicy is actually not a flavor or a taste sensation. It is pain. That's all it is. <laughs> it, it, I, I googled it. It's science, I promise. However, there is actually one other. Um, it's kind of controversial, but it is true. In 1908, there was a man, Kikune Ikide, and while eating kelp, he thought that 
like there's something here that does not fit these four. And the word he chose is called umami. And that word, if, you, if you're in a foodie scene, I'm sure that you've heard of it. But what is behind that word is there is some depth and some complexity to it. There's some, it's just like when you eat it, this is me now, this is not him. It's like, it just makes you think, like, like, hmm, like there's something extra here. So it, it does come if you've had uh, dried shiitake mushrooms, it is found in that. Um, fatty steak, dried aged steak, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Um, <laughs> MSG um, and aged cheese, especially Parmesan. Uh, it's, a deep, it's a deep flavor, and it's an experience. It's, it's not just a spoonful of sugar. Like, there really is something there that just makes you think. So the knowledge of God, pray, Paul prays for three specific things. Let's talk about the first one, Ephesians 1.18. Here's what he says. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know. Here it is. What is the hope of his calling? The hope of his calling. This calling is the calling of God, of, that God is calling us. It is, it is God calling, and it is bringing us into the faith. It is God's choice. He looks, when, when these Ephesians are reading this, we have this group that, um, that Kevin talked about quite a bit, that they, these Gentiles, they've never been apart. They have served the God of Artemis. They, I mean, we're talking multi-generational baggage of you are unclean, you can't eat with the righteous. So their grandfather has told their dad, and their dad has told them, like, just watch out for these guys, the Jews. They're not going to really welcome in into the table. So they have all these different things in the, in the back of their mind. And then Paul, if, um, he writes this, and he says, you have the hope of the calling. So it's, we have not been chosen for so long, and we can't even choose for so long. I want to eat at the table. And the Jews are just like, no, you can't. You'd make us unclean. And it's, it's pretty clear. In Ephesians 2.12, Paul, Paul discloses this very openly. It says, at that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus... You who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Like their mind must have just been blown. Like, whoa. Like, we can have the hope of the calling. Like, we haven't been able to choose, choose the table. But like, God is choosing us. And we know that they're believers because Paul has already confirmed it. So in their mind, they're like, wow. Like, we, we get to know God in this way. So how about us? How does this apply? And where is the hope of the calling realized in us? It, it is that we are grafted into this family. We too, just like these Gentiles, like he has called us. This is available to us, this hope of the calling. That it is, it is certainly that we are saved right now and there is, we, we have hope that this calling is here. But it also, this, this, it is deeper than that because it is, it is certainly looking to the future. Like this hope of the calling is that whatever exists on this current planet of pain, like it, we have the hope of the calling, the calling of God in our life. So in thinking through life, if, if I had to process through a lot of the, the conversations and stuff I've had about pain and, and standing firm because of the hope of the calling, something that I think is very common is broken relationships. Our future is with God, so we can stand firm and do right or lost family members, like our hope of 
is, is in the calling, the calling of God. So when, when something comes up against us, like, we get to look to the calling of God on our life and think into the future. So I wonder, something that I've thought this week, is I wonder what emotions, hardships, and sins the believers in Ephesus had in the back of their mind when this was read to them. I wonder, I wonder what they felt when they heard, I pray the Holy Spirit would open your heart to experience the hope of the calling. I think they would have been, wow, I hope so too. Like, I want to know God more in this. I want to experience him in this umami-style way. Weird word, but it is, is just, it's a perfect analogy to that. So this week I have also wondered what emotions and hardships and sins and situations you find yourself in. When you hear Paul's words read to you, and also know that one of your pastors has been praying for you for, for a good solid week or more about just specifically this, that I pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate your heart to experience and know the hope of his calling. I wonder when you, you process that today, hopefully you do, maybe during communion, um, what complexity is there and what, what longing does it create longing to know God more. I just wonder what, what you experience, that we would know him in this umami style. So that's number one. There's two more. Ephesians 1.18 um, contains the next one. And Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So back to the analogy, one more moment, about the dry aged steak. It's going to come back. So I had to take one for the team and try some dry-aged steak because I really wanted to talk about it. So about a week and a half ago, I went and bought one. I could only buy one because they're way too expensive. So there's this store in Winter Park I went out, and they said, yeah, we start, we start selling them at like 30 days, which dry-aged steak has just been sitting there for 30 days, so it's just like settling down or worse. And uh, so we went out, and they're like, well, yeah, we do have it. It's at 59 days. I'm like, great. That's perfect. So I got this 59-day-old steak, and I bring it to my brother's house. I'm like, Ben, he's, he's pretty good at cooking steak. And I was like, let's do this. Let's see what this is like. And he's like, absolutely. So salt, pepper, it's it. No garlic, no nothing. We put it on the, put it on the grill, and we reverse sear it, I think it's called, or something. I don't know. We, we hit it really fast with fire, and then we brought it up to 130 degrees. We, we bring it in, and it's me and my brother and his three-year-old son. And he, he cooks... Uh, something else for his son, and he's sitting on the table away from us. Um, he's not, not eating. We're just standing in the kitchen eating a steak. And so, like, we cut into the steak, and I pick it up, and, like, I eat a piece. And, like, guys, like, <laughs> there's something there. Like, um, umami is real. I don't know if it's controversial or not. It doesn't matter. It's real. Like, it just, it just makes you think, like, deep things. Like, <laughs> it's a magical experience. Um, so, and, and Ben thought the same thing. It really was remarkable. And we were like, Ben looked at me, he's like, should I let, should I let him try some? Like, it's his three-year-old son. I'm like, absolutely. Like, we only have one, but let's share. This is a remarkable experience. So he cuts off this tiny little piece, and he walks over to the table, because his son had no idea what we were doing. And he drops it, like, on his plate, and he picks it up, and he's like, and I'm, I know I'm using this as an analogy, so I'm watching from the back, like, I'm going to use this. And a kid, he, he picks it up, and as soon as he puts it in his mouth, he stands up and starts singing. And it's, it's, it's that epic of steak. 
and he, he forgets what he's eating, and he comes right into the kitchen. He's like, can I have more? I'm like, absolutely. Like, this is great. So we, we stand there, we share, whatever, and I'm like, this is for an analogy, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to milk this all I can. So I went up to him, and I was like, so, what do you think? Like, if you had to explain this steak, what would you say? And he looked at me, and he's like, it was good. Like, oh, like, that's all I get. But he knew it was that good. That's the point. Like, there is some depth in umami there. Like, it was, it was real, it was an encounter of this steak in, in, a, in a complex way that certainly created a longing for more. Uh, I would like to make my own, actually. Um, anyways, you can just sit in amazement. And, and that is what, like, knowing God, Paul is not just writing these words so we would read them and then be like, mm, okay, that's nice. Like, that, that is certainly not what's going on here. That would be like me eating that steak and being like, eh, yeah, whatever, it was okay. It wasn't just okay. It, it creates a deep longing for more, and just, I really want to think about it, like, in, in, a, in a real meaningful way. So here's what Paul says. What is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? That is, let's just call it an umami statement. The wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So there is some complexity here, um, and there is some division on on what this actually means. Um, There's two different options, somewhat kind of three. Um, One is that this inheritance, it is our inheritance, and he is our inheritance because of what Jesus did on the cross. So if we just pause there for a minute and think about that, because of what Jesus did on the cross... I get to know God in this way that I get to look to him and think he is my inheritance for eternity. That is fairly complex and certainly creates a longing for more. I, I'm not sure if that is what Paul had in mind or not. Didn't think maybe. The other option is that because of what Jesus did on the cross, he looks at us as his inheritance, which blows my mind that God would love us so much that not only would he send his son to die on a cross, but then afterwards, when he calls us out and we have that hope, then he looks at us and thinks, not only have I called you, but I'm looking forward to eternity with you. I will call you my inheritance. That is definitely an umami statement. It makes me think. I hope that it would make you think as well. I hope that that one's it. I hope that's what Paul had in mind. as It, it does impact my mind. To be fair, um, it's... It is complex, and it could be either or. And the, the third kind of option, maybe, is um, that maybe Paul kind of wrote that vague because both are so true. Both are biblically accurate. There's no problem with both, according to Scripture. And maybe he wrote that a little bit vague so we'd have this conversation because both are an umami statement, for sure. So back to the text um, that we are, we are his inheritance, that we know him. It is simply that that we know him in a real, meaningful, and complex way. So much so that he looks at us as our inheritance and we can look at him as ours. Yeah. So um, the next one, number three, uh, this one is epic as well. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to start reading verse 18 just for the context and then finish it off with verse 19 where the third is found. And he says, Paul says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the mighty working of his strength. The power that is extended to us is immeasurable. So I was thinking about what can be measured. And horsepower, 
something that is powerful, horsepower can be measured. Did you know that the human, a normal, like, average everyday human can extend 1.2 horsepower? Just, we're stronger than a horse. That's kind of cool. Did you also know that the space shuttle, when it uh, is trying to push into orbit, the original space shuttle, would exhibit 37 million horsepower? Did you also know that there are 60 million horses on this Earth today? So the space shuttle, I know it's all useless, but the space shuttle would take more than half of the amount of horses that exist on the planet lined up and working together to lift it into space. It's so much power, but it's nothing because it can be measured. Which is crazy to think that something that it can't even be measured is extended then to us. God takes us. We have the hope of his calling. He looks at us as an inheritance, but why? Like, how? It's because of his immeasurable power and what he did. So, according to Paul, this was extended to us, but a good question would be, how do I feel it? How do I encounter this? How do I, how do I encounter this in that umami way? And full disclosure, <clears throat> as I was working through these scriptures, this was the hardest one for me, to really like, understand and feel and encounter and I was confused as to why. Like, the first two I, I get. It took me some time just working through the scripture. But this third one, I was like, I wonder, wonder what's going on here. Like, I really want to experience this. And like, I want to know God here in a deep and umami way. So I, wonder, I wondered quite a bit about that. Um, and it, it occurred to me that there are, there's two possible concerns or thoughts that I had about why maybe I would not encounter this in the way that I should. The first one is that I am thinking too less of my sin. If my sin is just nothing and I'm doing okay in life, like, then I really don't need that amount of power. And that was the first one. I was like, this, this really does make me reflect on who I am. Do I, why do I need this immeasurable power? It is because I'm so far vastly removed from God. Because I'm so, before Christ, I'm so aggressively against him. It's not a passive thing. It's like I hated God before this. So the amount of power that it takes to take my heart and turn it to Jesus is exactly the power of Jesus being raised from the dead. So we, we have a little bit more information on this in verse 20 and 21. We know this because Paul says he exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion and every title given, not only in this age, but also in, in the one to come. Like this, is, this power should really shake us up. And we, this, encountering this would, and just thinking about what God did for us should really work our minds. And so that was, that was one of the reasons I thought, and maybe, maybe that's kind of what's going on. The other is that I have lowered God. I have lowered the amount of power that, that really took. That, that when I think about who God is, it's, it's me getting elevated a little bit, and it's God getting diminished a little bit. And if that, that is happening, being able to encounter this in a, that umami way is just not going to happen. Um, so, and then, then also we should know that we, we should be praying for this um, in a consistent way. So, um, I imagine, I, I, don't, I don't think that it was just me that, that went through that. I, I would think that when the Gentiles heard this, is this, this didn't happen. But in my mind, what I think may have happened, if, if a Gentile was talking with Paul, 
and he had the similar things that I had, the thought, thoughts that I had. He would be like, okay, Paul, I get that. I get the hope of his calling, and I get that I'm his inheritance, so neat. But this one, like, I'm doing a pretty good job, or, or like, I, I just don't, I don't experience this. My, my state in life, I'm actually, like, things are good. I'm, I'm, things, are, things are going okay. And I think Paul knew that we would struggle with this. And so if you turn to Ephesians 2, 1, Paul personalizes this really, really well. He's going to let us know our condition. And this is, he, he says, as for you, it's like, oh, okay, this is very personal. And his next words, you were dead. Like, that's the state that we have before Christ. So the, the power that we needed is, is not only just, like, to make us feel different things, like, to, to start thinking right. Like, this is... This is taking something dead and bringing it to life. The amount of power that was needed is so huge that it can't even be measured. So, for the skeptic, the truth of this is currently in our day able to be found. I think about that a lot, that like God is able to be found. So my question to you is, will you take the worthy endeavor and figure it out and process God and seek him? Because he is worthy of that. And for the seeker, have you seen the truths in Scripture? And if so, will you respond to them? And for the doubting or stumbling saint, I would encourage you to listen to these Scriptures, to, to think about them and, and try to experience God through praying that God would illuminate these areas in your life um, in a way that, that would be like a deep way that would create a longing. I think Paul foresaw that we would possibly have doubt and confusion and he wrote this in Ephesians 2, 17 through 22, just to clear things up. And he said, He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints. Like remember that he was talking with Gentiles, who they've been foreigners, multi-generations of foreigners. And now he says, but fellow citizens with the saints. That would have blown their mind. Like That answers the question. This, this is for us. And members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole being, being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. I hope that clears up some of it. I think, that's, I think Paul put it there to help us with that. And then also, for the follower of Jesus, this is what I have been praying for you. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. The bottom line is, is simply this. Our relationship with God is wonderfully deep and creates a longing for more. We should be praying for this. And I will certainly be praying for it for you. So take this experience of hope, you believer, and, and who will you share with? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for these scriptures, that they help us consider you in deep and meaningful ways. I just pray that you would take your spirit and illuminate them in us so that we may encounter you and just meaningful, meaningfully feel you in our life and understand you in truth. 
In your name I pray. Amen.